Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I have a really special guest all the way from Scotland. Her name is Meg Ronnie, and I actually found her through TikTok. Uh, she has an amazing recovery account where we love that she keeps it real, very unique, which that is my my vibe. So welcome, Meg. I will give you the floor to kind of, first of all, let everyone know your TikTok username because it is a very good resource. And then just a little bit about you and a little bit about your story and kind of like how you even got into the recovery space. Hi. Yeah, sounds good. No problem at all. Um, so as Shelby said, I am on TikTok. My handle is at underscore the wellness diaries, uh, which is just a sort of username I came up with in the beginning. Um, and I started on TikTok in the start of 2022, really because I wanted to kind of help people in eating disorder recovery. I think there are a lot of stereotypes out there and a lot of things that I thought maybe people would find helpful through the sort of experiences that I have had, different types of treatment, um, different sort of levels of support in my personal life. And I just thought I could maybe have quite a lot to share, maybe something that's a little bit different to the stereotype. Um, so that's why I sort of joined TikTok. You recovered yourself? Yeah, just about maybe. We're, we're, we're almost there. Yeah, I mean, that's a hard, yeah. I always say like, that's kind of a like, what is recovered? Like, what when does it like, congrats, you're recovered, but You've definitely been through it and you're on the other side. What's up, guys? This is Shelby and welcome to Not Your Regular Coach Podcast. <laughs> it's one thing to physically recover. It's one thing to do all your challenges, like these more tangible things. But not getting thoughts is a little more difficult to quantify and to, you know, it's going to be a long time until you don't get any thoughts at all. But definitely on the later side of that process for sure yeah I mean I always say like sometimes I still get thoughts it's like the thoughts come and the difference is that you just kind of are like oh okay yeah I feel that way right now and then but it doesn't affect your actions at all you know so if I have like a Absolutely. bad body image day it's not like oh my gosh I'm not eating today like that just doesn't occur to me anymore um but yeah the thoughts I mean like and I also wonder too how normal some of the thoughts are too like I think you know everyone's kind of aware of their body and stuff with with or without an eating disorder so yeah I I always say like if you're waiting until the moment that you never have a negative thought again it's like that might never happen because it's just not realistic in in life absolutely yeah for sure and I think as well with that like certain thoughts are very obviously eating disordered and other thoughts might just be the same level of disorder as we see in society I almost think that recovering from an eating disorder, you end up with a healthier relationship with food in your body than the typical person that you might meet in society. But yeah, you're right. Like it's it's not really about never ever getting the thoughts again. They might pop up, but as long as you don't act on them, that thought will decrease um, and not repeat as often. Or that's the goal anyway, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree with that. So I did want to ask you because obviously this podcast is in the United States and while we have listeners all over the place and I've had some clients all over actually have had, I've never had a client in Scotland before. How is eating disorder recovery slash even just mental health in general? Like how is that perceived in Scotland? Um, I think I imagine in terms of societal perceptions in the media that it would be relatively similar to the United States, um, particularly from that sort of stereotypical point of view. I think eating disorders are often seen as anorexia and therefore are seen as people in very thin bodies who don't eat very much and it's kind of that very stereotypical view 
And I don't think a lot of people understand that actually the percentage of people with anorexia is quite small. Binge eating disorder is the most common eating disorder that people can be in all body sizes and struggle. Like, I think that is a message that we definitely still need to promote more in the UK. Um, and I'm sure that's kind of reflected a bit across the states. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely. And I know in the UK, you do have a lot of American like media, right? Yeah, I guess. Um, for sure. I suppose like TV shows and TikTok and things. Um, I think a lot of people might be receiving sort of messaging from the United States. Definitely so what as is, well. Yeah. So what is the treatment over there like? Like, so if if somebody has because obviously over here, for better or worse, we have like a million different treatment centers, right. and IOP, PHP. Yeah. Uh, so how how does that work kind of over over there? So. I'll give you kind of my experience in Scotland, but I definitely think the system is quite different. So we have the National Health Service, the NHS, and under that we get free medical care, which is obviously great and something that, you know, we're really grateful for. So how it worked for me was I went to an initial doctor's appointment and they sort of, I guess, assessed me against the eating disorder criteria. And then I was admitted to a kind of like specialized eating disorder program in my area. Um that had so I spoke to a doctor it also had a dietitian a mental health nurse um someone who was trained in CBT that kind of thing um, and that was free under the NHS which is obviously great um but that option is not available to all people in Scotland I just happened to be fortunate in that my health board so the area that I lived in offered that service other health boards don't offer those services it's kind of just a potluck of where you live um there's also options to on waiting lists for therapy and that'll be the case across the country I'm sure but again depending on where you live that waiting list could be very long and obviously things can get worse while you are waiting so as much as we have the benefit of a free healthcare system we also have the downside that it is underfunded um, and under-resourced and I think I probably wouldn't be wrong in saying there's a bit of medical bias there too so maybe for yourselves in the US, you know, if you have specialized eating disorder treatment facilities that people can go to under insurance and things, those people will, I would hope, be qualified in eating disorder specifically. Whereas with us, because we're seeing, you know, a doctor in the first instance, and that doctor, I think is, I'm sure the stat is like doctors get half a day of training on eating disorders and then that's it. You know, they have a lot to learn. It's fair enough. But eating disorders don't get enough sort of time when it comes to medical system and doctors so they're often looking at the the, the criteria that I don't know if you use the DSM-5 but mm -hmm. the sort of criteria for eating disorders that was outlined a long time ago and that is changing but my my weight my period things like that were all taken into consideration before I got let into the sort of specialized treatment which is mm -hmm. really really difficult because you know there are people that could be out there struggling severely who you know are mentally, physically very unwell, but if they don't fit this narrow stereotype, then doctors might not see them as that serious, which is completely untrue. You know, these specialized eating disorder programs, you do have to fit certain criteria often to ever get a, sort of to ever get in the door, um, which is ridiculous. So pros and cons, I think obviously the free side of things is is really good for people who are disadvantaged, but the underfunded, undereducated side of things is definitely difficult. Yeah. And so I was going to say, you know, there are definitely pros and cons because here there I, I feel mm -hmm. like what's kind of happened over here is that there definitely are many more resources. And sure. yes, you do have to have insurance. I mean, you don't have to, but if you don't, it's like a million so dollars. Um, yeah. yeah. So 
And I think what's the issue over here for the most part is that it's just becoming so capitalized and like industrial that it's Mm -hmm. almost in some ways becoming more of like a business venture and a money maker. And so it's kind of like, you know, that that reflects in the quality of the staff that you have. Not everywhere, but it's definitely an issue. But it's interesting because I have a client in Canada and she said the same thing. So she said that having free health care actually kind of backfires in this situation because there's the waiting list. She said like there could be a waiting list of a year long that you're waiting to get into the hospital. And also she said because of that, they tend to, and I don't know if this is something you can relate to, but they tend to like choose the quote unquote sickest compared to their, like whatever they're using to (laughs) identify whatever that means um, and put those people first. So for her, like it's really invalidating to right. not be quote unquote super emergency needs to get into the hospital right now, even though yeah. she could be just as sick as somebody else who's at a lower weight. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I think that's part of the problem is because, you know, these treatment systems say there is no sick enough. It's not about your weight, but then they make loads of decisions based on it. So their actions don't really follow up with their words. Um, and yeah, you're right. I think people who present in more physically unwell bodies will be seen but that doesn't actually make them sicker it's a mental illness not a physical one and the way I see it bodies will react differently to different symptoms but a mental illness should be categorized by your thoughts and how your thoughts impact your behavior not how your physical body reacts you know that's the way I think that it should be viewed but I also appreciate on the other side of things that these you know medical systems need to treat people who are in a bad place so I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but I just think that we need to move away from this narrative that a mental illness and how sick you are mentally can be determined by physical outcomes that often you know aren't really under control some bodies lose more weight some bodies end up with dodgy blood tests you know some bodies will I don't know what it is <laughs> some bodies will end up giving you the signal to binge eat some bodies won't like we're all built differently and um, but that doesn't change how unwell your mind might be if that makes any sense yeah, no, for sure. And and two, like everybody obviously has a different set point. So that's sure. that's a huge like something to take into account because yeah. if your BMI isn't showing up as whatever they you know, comparatively to somebody else, it still could hmm. be like, oh, this amount of weight was lost in this amount of time. And it just yeah, I know. Absolutely. And I like I What's your experience with that? Because personally, my doctor at the time, I was younger. So this was like a while ago. This was probably like 15 years ago. But my doctor at the time was very like, oh, well, your weight's kind of in the normal range. But like, yeah, you have lost weight. But I wouldn't say it's like an eating disorder. I would just say that you should eat more. And I'm like, okay. And so it's just super invalidating. Or like, I haven't had my period in a year. And it's like, oh, well. And then that whole thing also gets confusing because- It's like somebody at a lower BMI could still have their period. And then they're like, well, I'm not validated because I have my period. And then someone at the higher BMI is like, I'm not validated. And so it's just, it's like crazy. But yeah, I'm interested in what your experience was with that. Sure. So I honestly kind of experienced both sides of this. So um, I was in a place where I was seen and I guess taken seriously for factors that, you know, shouldn't be the reason I was taken seriously um, in terms of weight loss and things. But we, we don't need to get into that. I will say that my blood test always came up absolutely fine. But equally, when I was in that treatment environment, I think there was always a notion, like for me, it felt like um, anytime, you know, they would tell me you need to gain weight, you need to gain weight. 
anytime I would gain weight, they'd be like, okay, like you're not, not as much of a priority to us anymore. You're not in as dangerous a place. Like they would talk about seeing me less. And it was sort of like, anytime I did what they were asking me to do, they were then dropping me and I felt less supported and everything was based off weight. Um, and I, again, I get it, but it's just, it's a really invalidating thing to experience. Um, so I kind of understand both sides of the coin. Like I, I was quote unquote lucky to be taken seriously in some sense, but then also, and there were sometimes, you know, I would mention this whole not feeling sick enough thing to them. And sometimes the people would say things like, yeah, well, you know, we have seen people, you know, lower BMIs and we have, you know, I mean, they would say stuff like this as if that was comforting. And, it, mm, you know, just yeah, they do that here. Order. Yeah, like they just put my brain, they don't take you seriously. And there were times when I would come out of a, what was supposed to be eating disorder treatment and feel like I had almost been challenged to push myself further, which is the exact opposite effect of, I'm sure, what they were wanting. But maybe they just didn't really understand the, the way that eating disorder brains operate. I'm not really sure. But yeah, I definitely remember feeling that sort of sense of invalidation uh, through the treatment system. Absolutely. Do you think that made you want to either stay sick or like, quote unquote, get sicker in order to be taken seriously? Like, uh -huh. do you think there was an element of that? Yep, definitely. I think sometimes I went away and took it as a challenge, which is a terrible thing to think. And if anyone, you know, in that position is listening now, please don't do that. Um, it's, you know, it's a horrible cycle to end up in. But I actually think so. For context, I was in the sort of NHS eating disorder treatment system for about a year and a half. And it was when I was moving house um, and I was being referred to a new health board and new people and new eating disorder team and whatever. that I just said, do you know what? I'm done. And I was like, I this isn't helping me in the way that it should. It was keeping me sick. It was encouraging me sometimes to get sicker. I would sort of yo-yo a bit. Um, and I ended up basically saying, do you know what? I'm done. I'm just not going to take the referral obviously someone else can get that spot maybe they'll find that treatment style helpful maybe it just wasn't for me as a person but I decided to take myself out of that place and that's when I sort of I'd put myself on a waiting list for recovery coaching and funnily enough it was like a few weeks after I decided to stop treatment under the NHS that I started my recovery coaching that I had that sort of email to say you're at the top of the waiting list um, and I appreciate obviously for anyone listening for context recovery coaching is not free under the NHS that is a private system and I wasn't speaking to people within the UK either I think when it comes to to Scotland there are private eating disorder treatment centers but I think they would be extremely extremely expensive and way way, way out of my price range I don't think the system's the same as the US I'm not really honestly sure because I never considered you know these sort of private healthcare facilities but with coaching I was in a financial position that was fortunate enough that I could commit to a fee for that type of treatment um so that's when I started that after about a year and a half of the NHS treatment center yeah and so real quick I'm not her coach <laughs> um no <laughs> but but we all kind of like know each other and so I'm just wondering like how do you think coaching in your experience was helpful to you did it kind of like empower you to be like okay I can do this I I want to do this what is your coach recovered herself yeah Okay, so that's helpful too. Yes. So honestly, I think it was for me personally exactly the type of treatment that I needed. Uh, funnily enough, as soon as people stopped focusing so much on my weight, it finally allowed me to gain weight and to reach my set weight um, and to finally physically restore weight. I think with coaching as well, I didn't need to be at a lower weight to start. I didn't need to be in any BMI bracket weight bracket 
I get anything at all um, because, you know, recovery coaching, people that I've spoken to anyway, and I'm sure you're the same, are treating the person and their mental state and their thoughts and behaviours, not the way their physical body reacts. So it wasn't ever about that. Of course, there was a bit of an element of eating adequately regularly, but um, a lot of it for me was about challenging certain thoughts, challenging certain behaviours, making sure that I was acting in line with who I wanted to be. I think with recovery coaching, something that was really helpful to me was the goal setting element and doing the challenges and making sure that I was being consistent with that um, and my coach helping me through that because with the NHS system, they, they weren't really bothered. They just, they were sort of more focused on the medical side of things. Whereas with coaching, they actually listened to my individual experience um, you know, the different foods I struggled with, the different rules I struggled with, where I was at with body image, how to challenge that. Um, and really like thinking about thoughts and behaviors. So it was a lot more practical um, and generally just helped me make so much more progress in my recovery. It was the treatment type of treatment that really worked best for me. Yeah. Shout out to coaching. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> promotion for you. That's so, okay. I actually had a question about this. How, okay. so everyone, and, and this is a really hard question to answer. I even have a hard time answering this, but okay. body image, like how did yep. you come to accept body changes? And then also a flip side of that mm -hmm. too, is being present on social media and knowing, you know, that this becomes, and this was hard for me too. And I know a lot of other people who want to start recovery accounts, but they feel like, oh, I'm going to be judged because visibly yeah. my body has changed since I started this or like, right. I mean, there are people, especially on TikTok, like I don't know what is going on with TikTok and why people are so mean, but you know, you get comments. Like I get comments sometimes that are just like terrible and, and whether yeah. it might have to do with my body or not, it just is like super discouraging. So how, how have you been able to, how have you been okay. able to like, you know, deal with that? Sure. So I guess with the first part of things, just with general body image, I think a couple of things have really helped me with that. Um, one of them is not having the expectation that I will have perfect body image every day. It's just not realistic. You know, hormones change, mood changes, body changes. There's so many different things that contribute to body image. The expectation for it to always be perfect is unrealistic and it's going to set me up for failure. So I think just understanding that body image is always going to have ebbs and flows. It's going to go up and down and that's okay really helped me also diminishing the importance of my body so my body image used to matter to me so much whereas now you know being able to lift that importance and put it onto other things in my life which has been a gradual process but it has been really worthwhile has allowed me to just place a little bit less importance on it to care a bit less if I'm having a good body image day it doesn't make it the best day ever it just makes it all right and if I'm having a bad body image day I can sort of accept that and go this isn't going to be a good day put on something comfortable try and stay away from mirrors and then just focus back on my life again because that is so much more important um I think that has really really helped me with my body image also another one is just figuring out what my actual values are as a person so you know taking your best friend or your parent or your sibling let's go with best friend so you take your best friend and you think about them why do you value them as a person? What is it that you love about them? Make a list. And where does body size or weight come on that list? Is it even there at all? My bet is probably not. Like it's just not something that I value in other people or care about in other people. So it's trying to apply that logic to myself. Like no one is going to be my friend or like me as a person because I fit 
X clothes size, which is not realistic. So that kind of work um, has really, really helped me with my body image. I guess on your point about social media, oftentimes when people are making rude comments, first of all, sometimes they don't actually even mean it. I've actually, weirdly, you said about TikTok being a horrible place and you're right. I think it's because people can have accounts without really posting themselves mm -hmm. so they can hide behind it. That's my theory. Also for you page, it's like random people pop up. There's less personal connection, but um, I have actually had some people on TikTok who have written me a mean comment and then I've replied back with the video or something. And they've come back to me the next day and said, look, I'm really sorry. I was in a bad place. I didn't even mean that. Mm. And I was like, all right, okay. So why am I taking stuff personally when the person who said it didn't even mean it? Someone said to me once something about my body putting them off recovery. And I replied to them and they came back and said, I've never even seen your body. I was just in a bad mood and I took it out on you. I don't even know what you look like. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I think yeah. it's just a bit about sort of detracting from that. And also remembering that. If someone says something negative about what you look like, it says everything about them and nothing about you. If they're looking at my body and coming up to something negative, then they're probably just thinking something negative about themselves and they want to take it out on me. And also, I don't know if you've had this, sometimes I've had people saying that they think I'm I'm fat, that I'm, you know, a bad promotion of recovery, whatever. I've also mm -hmm. had people say, you're tiny though, you're really skinny, why are recovery mm -hmm. accounts so skinny? How can you talk about this when you're in a thin body? And other people, do you know what I mean? I've heard every single variation of these yeah. comments. So it's kind of like, it's not about my body, it's about the person saying it. And I try and just stay away from it. But also like, if somebody is thinking about starting a TikTok channel for any kind of recovery content, try to build up as thick a skin as possible before you go into it because it is not always easy and I'm sure you relate to that. <laughs> Yeah. And, and what I do too is like, I know some, I, I keep, well, unless it's something seriously bad or like triggering, okay. I will keep the negative comments and usually, like I said, reply back to them in a way of like, you know, or, or I've actually never done a video reply, but some kind of like some kind of reply. And then usually what will happen is they'll either delete their comment or they'll be mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm sorry. So, and it's interesting too, because sometimes, you know, when you get those types of comments, you'll also get people that are not even like sticking up for you, but are just like, Hey, that's not like, that's not helpful or like, Hey, yeah. that, you know, so it's, it's, it can be like a good place. And TikTok, I mean, I think it's an amazing place. It's really, really great to reach out to, especially like the Gen Z yeah. and sort of millennial population. And so I, you yeah, know, I, I, love it over there. I feel like it's definitely more good than bad, but you definitely do get those yeah. people. And I agree. It's like, nobody writes that on someone's post, even if no matter even what you think, like nobody writes that unless you're really miserable or like trying to yeah, make going through something themselves. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. To be fair, like, as you say, I completely agree with you. Like, I love the community over on TikTok that you know, I'm fortunate to be a part of. I think there are some incredible people over there, people with great advice, people that are really um, helpful, comforting, encouraging. And there are so, so many lovely people there. But unfortunately, as with anything else, you're going to get the people who just want to tear you down and will say whatever they think will hit. Um, and it's unfortunate, but it is just the way of it. Um, with social media. So totally agree. Yeah, it's part of putting yourself out there. It's like you kind of got to... Yeah know what's what's coming I think in the beginning of uh you know when I was like starting Instagram I think I took it yep. so personally like so personally yeah and I would be like okay I'm never posting anything again but it you know it's it, it honestly kind of helps <laughs> yeah it mm -hmm. kind of helps you like 
with self-worth and self-esteem and confidence actually in a way of like you kind of got to go through it and then you're like okay this is so with instagram was that the first platform that you started on then yeah that was like a couple years ago right. that was mm-hmm. when i started sharing stuff about recovery is probably like 2019 um okay. and so yeah tiktok i didn't start until last year so that's right. like still kind of new but more fresh and are the comment sections a bit nicer on instagram because i suppose people have to actually go out the way to find you in a different way on Instagram. Yes. Instagram yeah. <laughs> is better. I but I mean you still definitely okay. sometimes get get some stuff. It depends what you're posting. But like True. for the most part, I, yeah, Instagram's better. I think like you said TikTok is just easier to kind of be anonymous and so yeah. and it's just I don't know. It's just it's kind of like become normal. <laughs> so like yeah. I don't think no, people sure. even think like, twice about it. Yeah, and obviously with the for you page as well, it means that random people new people are popping up all the time so I think there's just a lack of personal connection sometimes um whereas with Instagram you're more likely to be following somebody to see their stuff and know them a bit better so I think there's an element of that as well that just makes TikTok a little bit more easy to give an unsolicited opinion without any real thought behind it I suppose yeah no for sure so so that's something because I have had clients be like okay I really want to start a recovery account but I'm so worried because everyone's going to judge my body and I'm like all right and and that's uh I mean that's definitely a reflection of like again self self self-confidence work that needs to happen um which is easy you know because it's like we think these things about ourselves and now we're putting it out there and if someone says something it's like oh no like my worst sure Yeah, I think you need to be in a strong recovery to ever start a page. You need to be able to have boundaries with it. Like if you're starting to get bogged down with comments and starting to feel badly about yourself, like as much as you don't want to have to take time away because it's not your fault, sometimes it's for the best. Like I had a barrage of horrible comments for a while. I was a while ago now, I can't remember. But I just took a wee bit of time away from it and focused on life again and took my brain out of social media world and it was really good. And you know, having experiences like that make you a bit stronger in the end, but it's still not ever nice to go through. So I wouldn't easily recommend it to someone who's in a vulnerable place. If you think a negative comment could then impact your behavior later down the line, it's not really worth the risk. Like the most Mm -hmm. important thing people will have is their own recovery and they shouldn't be compromising that. But it's a difficult thing because you don't want to have to stop. Like for me, Every time I thought about stopping doing it, it's like, oh, I, I love doing this and I love the capacity that I might have to help people. Um, and I want to make an impact. And why should I have to take time away from doing something I love? But sometimes it just has to be that way because you have to put your own mental health first. Yeah, for sure. And and so that kind of brings me, so switching gears a little bit, something that I was looking at on your TikTok that I really, really like, and you can speak from this because you've kind of just been through recovery in all the different phases, is how... Mm-hmm. There are, this sounds like so cliche, but it's true that when you decide, okay, I'm committing to this, I'm doing this, it gets like a thousand million times worse because the thoughts are still there. You still have bad body image and now you're eating more. So you're like, or, you know, what, whatever it is that you're, that uh-huh. you need to do to like, to, to work on the eating disorder. Um, so then you're like, well, now I just have an added stress on that and, and all of these things. So there definitely are, I, I forget which TikTok I just saw it yesterday. It was like the three the three different stages that you had and um do you know what I'm talking about which TikTok oh the one where I was saying like three of my favorite kind of benefits of recovery it was like the last one was like loving life the first one oh the second one was like questioning your identity and the first one was like wanting oh I know what you're talking about yeah yeah the one that yeah so uh that uh, is hard (laughs) 
So I want to yeah. hear from you as somebody who's just kind of like not, you know, somebody who's just kind of been through it, because I would yeah. say the hardest thing that I have that I that I deal with with clients is they will commit to doing it and then they'll start doing it and they'll be like, this is literally terrible. And when I say, no, I promise, I promise right. like it will get better. It will get better. They mm-hmm. are like, no, it doesn't. And then they're expecting it to get better in like a month. And I'm like, no, okay, okay well, like it takes time because it goes in phases, but yeah, I mean, it, that's definitely true. It's not like one day you're like, okay, I'm recovering. And then it's like magical and everything's great and you feel better. Like that's, I mean, honestly, it feels worse in the beginning for sure. Yeah, it does. Yeah, for sure. And I think I agree with you because the thing is I went through a bit of a yo-yo phase for longer than I care to admit, honestly, because I kept experiencing that. Like I kept saying, right, okay, this is going to be good. I'm going to do it. And uh, this is what I need to do. And I would engage in it for a while. And then I would go, yeah, no, that was horrible. And I would go back and I did that for so long and it never benefited me it just delayed the inevitable um so I would say if anyone's stuck in a yo-yo it's not a good place to be and you're never going to suddenly find what you're looking for from your eating disorder it's never going to suddenly become easier you just have to do it but I guess to that I would say first of all a lot of these mental changes and physical changes you're investing time into it is going to take a long time so just keep your eye on the prize I think something that helped me was to write down a list of bad things about my eating disorder and good things about recovery like things I was hoping for to provide me with a list of motivators also even thinking about what you deem the downsides of recovery or the good things about your eating disorder because that will give you a list of things to work through like having a little bit of a framework to start with of where you're at and what you want to achieve and why you're in the process can maybe help you to stay on track um but I also think as well with (laughs) with recovery I suppose you do just have to think to yourself, this is a long-term investment. Like if you have an eating disorder, whatever eating disorder it is, you know willpower, you know discipline in some capacity. And whether that, you know, every eating disorder is different, whether that leads to binge eating, compensatory behaviors, further restriction, whatever it leads to, you know what it's like to experience discipline and willpower. You're just going to have to exercise it in a completely different way. And that is staying on track with recovery, even when it feels hard, even when your body starts to change knowing if it does not everyone has to gain weight in recovery but yeah stick stick with it use that discipline that you might have used in your eating disorder to just stick with the plan talk to your recovery coach or your treatment team if you're struggling with something you know if you have a meal plan stick with it and just keep those overall goals in mind keep the bad things for your eating disorder in mind keep in mind what you want to get away from um, and you know just have like have faith that this will work out in the end I mean there are some more immediate benefits I suppose like getting energy back again could be one for some for me it didn't really happen like that like I felt quite tired and quite lethargic in the beginning of my recovery I think just because my body was processing more food my digestion was a bit more slowed but some people do experience that um, you might start to have a decrease in brain fog as well some people experience things like that there are things that might improve in the short term but a lot of it is long term I also I don't know if you went through this but I went through a phase in my recovery where my skin got quite bad for a while yeah and then it all cleared up and it got much better but again I think it's just your body is readjusting to something that is really difficult but also something that helps me is to think what is the alternative like okay so you don't want to go through the short term hard part what so you're just going to live with an eating disorder forever like eating disorder pain is forever whereas recovery pain is temporary so even if recovery is going to be difficult for six months or whatever it is until you start to see those benefits 
there is a good side at the end of it. There is something beneficial that you are working towards and something that, you know, will help shape the rest of your entire life and will help will lead to positive change for the rest of your entire life. Whereas you're going back and going back to your eating disorder, what's the benefit of that? It's not gonna be any better. It's still gonna ruin your life effectively. Like you know what I mean? It doesn't get any better whereas the recovery stuff does. So if you're gonna pick one version of hard, pick the one that is gonna end up in something good. Yeah. And so I was going to say like the things that helped me were uh, okay. So yo-yoing, I think Mm -hmm. that's super common. I would say most people probably don't just say like recovery, here we go. And then just a hundred percent go at it. I think that does happen, but it usually is like up and down, up and down. And so I would always be like, okay, there's a reason that I'm (laughs) yo-yoing. Like There's a reason that I give up and then I still go back to like, okay, I have to get better and then still go back. Like there's, so obviously I'm not happy when I choose to go back to my eating disorder because I keep going back and forth and still deciding that, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other thing that really helped me was obviously everyone with an eating disorder is super strong-willed and like has an amazing brain capacity. So I would be like, okay, I made the decision like I'm doing it. And so then when I would say, you know, I, I'm giving up or this is fine. I don't need to do this anymore. I'd be like, nope, I made the decision. I'm not going back. Yeah. It's done. Like right. we cannot go back and we're going to finish this and do this and see what happens because right. and that, like you said, inevitably, eventually I'm probably going to have to do this. Um, So like, nope, we've already done the, some of the work. Like we're not going back and starting over. Like we're committed to yeah. this. Um, I just kind of kept telling myself like, no, it's not an option. Mm-hmm. People would sometimes say to me like commitment over motivation, like motivation will go up and down and, and change, but your commitment can't really waver. Uh, I think that's a good way to think about it. Also, while you were talking there, it made me think like, when you do that thing where you think, no, I have to go back to my eating disorder. Sometimes it could be useful to just, what is the trigger? Like, it's not everything all at once. Like, what is it that's made you go, I have to go back? Because then you can actually work on working through that trigger itself. So if it's weight gain, doing some of the body image work, doing some of the values work, um, connecting to your goals, connecting to the person you want to be, who you admire, you know, that kind of thing. If it's, I don't know, some medical issue, could you speak to a doctor? Like, whatever the trigger is, deal with that. Don't just go running back to your eating disorder because that doesn't fix it or help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I just think it's like so much easier said than done, but I, I think it's mm-hmm. like, you have to, oh, for sure. I don't know. It's just like telling yourself, genuinely telling yourself like, no, we're like, I am, I've made this decision. It's like, and it's like anything. And this helped me too. Would I feel like everyone has some sort of other experience where they've had to go through something really hard. So if you're in a relationship and you're like, oh no, like I'm, I don't feel connected to this relationship anymore, whatever it might be. And you decide to, okay, I'm doing it. Like I'm going to break up with this person. I'm going to distance myself from this person. It gets Mm. really hard. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, like I remember all the amazing things about this person. (laughs) I don't remember anything bad. Like I need this person. And then it's the same, like, cause that had happened Uh to me before. And just being like, no, we made this decision for a reason. Like we didn't just do this randomly. We're going to see this out. And every single time, you know, like I can guarantee 99% of the time when you commit to that on the other side, you're like, wow, I'm so happy I did that. It's like, it's yeah, the same thing. absolutely. And a, a little tip that I like to use, I've used it through a lot of different parts of my recovery, but honestly, it applies to that example, even the relationship side of things, but recovery too is 
what would I say to a loved one? So like if this was your best friend or your sister or your mom or your whoever, like would you want them to be in that relationship with that person? Or, you know, would you want them going back to their eating disorder? Like what advice would you give to them? Um, as something that always provides me with a good bit of perspective. Yeah, I think we can convince ourselves that like, no, we're wrong and no, because the feelings and like the mental anxiety is just so strong that it's like yeah. you can easily see that for somebody else. But for you, there's like a thousand million reasons of why it doesn't apply, but it yep, does. And it's like, and, no. <laughs> and, and so it's just, yeah, again, it's like that commitment thing. I like the commitment over motivation because you will not always have motivation. Like that's no. just unrealistic. Yeah, it's unrealistic. There will be days where it feels like the worst thing in the world. And the only thing you can do is just tell yourself, okay, well, this is like, this is what we're doing. We've said this is what we're doing. And this is what we're doing. And we're going to keep going. But Absolutely. definitely easier said than done. But it's like, I wish oh, yes. I could just, Absolutely. and I know like people when they hear this and they're struggling, they're just like, oh yeah, whatever, who cares? That's not true. But it is true. Like <laughs> I've said, and I've had so many people on the podcast and people that were told you will never get better. You, you know, you need to get used to a life of like partial recovery or like basically just like harm reduction and they still got better. And they're like, it's like, I wish I could just show you, like, I wish I could fast forward, but you can't and you can't. And it's kind of a good thing that you can't because you learn um, so many things through that. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard. So I yeah, think I mean at no point am I saying any of this is easy like these are just tips and tricks and things that help me but implementing them in the day-to-day when you're going through it is not an easy thing by any means um it's a really hard thing to go through actually and even before I started recovery I never expected it to be as difficult as it has been mentally physically socially emotionally like all of the above it's honestly and it's it's an ongoing thing as well you know we live in a diet culture oriented society there's always going to be hard parts to it so really admire anyone that's going through the process yeah and I think what you've done is amazing I think your outreach on social media is so helpful and relatable um I love like when people bring in their personality it just means it just seems more it just seems more relatable um yeah. so i love i love what you're doing and if you do not follow her on tiktok you need to go follow her right now uh what's and say your say your uh plug one more time for your for your username so it's at underscore the wellness diaries i think if you just type in my name it should also it comes up <laughs> yeah yeah it should... i think so yeah yeah so keep doing what you're doing and Thank you so much for being here and sharing your experience. I think, you know, it's good to kind of hear from people in different, different areas of recovery. And so obviously for me, it's like, I've kind of been in this space for a long time, but for you, it's still Mm -hmm. kind of fresh and new. So it's inspiring to hear from somebody who, who's still kind of going through it, but is still pushing through. So I super appreciate you. Thank you so, so, so much. And especially... I don't even know what time it is over there in Scotland. It's like, I'm not uh, good at 7 the time. <laughs> 7 p.m. Okay, so it's not too late. It's not too late. Because um, <laughs> I'm like, I can't keep up with the time zones. But uh, <laughs> thank you for sharing the tonight. And for anyone who has any questions, you can always reach out to either me or to Meg directly on her TikTok. She is super yeah, responsive. And let's just keep going. <laughs> like, that just sounds so... 
you know, so like I don't like to end in that that like cliche way. But seriously, like every single time that you're like, OK, I'm stopping. I can't do this. I, I'm not meant to recover all of the million things. It's like, no, you made a commitment. You made a commitment. You made a commitment. And I know that most of us that deal with this are su- like I said, like super strong willed. And when you make a commitment, you usually finish it out. So this is no different. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah, well said. Yeah. So again, thank you so much. And I will. Yeah, of course. And I will talk to you soon. Not your regular coach podcast.